0: You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I'm actually here bringing you episode 29 Um, Today we're going to do something a little different. Uh, Clint's actually not here today. He had to take care of some off-the-felt personal things. So I'm going to just do kind of a shorter podcast today and just kind of try to carry on one week without him. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Had some pretty interesting hands, though. Um, This week, been on a pretty big upswing. Uh, let's see, what would be the first big hand that we should talk about? Um, I had a pretty big hand, I had three, four of spades, and I opened up to $20, and I had five collars, so we have 120 in the middle, and the flop is a great flop for me, it's two of spades, four of hearts, six of spades, so I have a pair and a flush draw, and a gut shot to the straight flush draw. So, uh, let's see. So then I end up betting $50, and I get two callers. And the turn is the nine of hearts. I bet $100, and then I get jammed on for $350 for a total of 250 more. So, I think and I think... And I end up putting in the call here um, for the 250 more. And I brick the t- uh, brick the river, and he turns over Jack-5 of spades. So he, too, was on a better flush draw. But my pair was actually good the whole time. So that was a pretty surprising hand. I thought that was one where um, I was going to have to make the flush draw. But I uh, was pretty happy to see that I was actually good with the pair of fours. Um, and then later on that session, uh, let's see. Oh, right. So I was playing against a guy who, like I've always kind of talked to about Clint, where it's like it seems like you're picking on someone whenever you're always raising and getting involved in pots with certain players. But oftentimes it just happens to work out that way. when That's whenever you have a hand. So, this is a player I've been battling back and forth with. Back and forth with. Wow. Back and forth with um, for a while now. And we had had like two or three hands um, where I kind of gotten the better of him, where he ended up making the fold. And I had actually uh, was kind of at the top of my range in both of those hands. So, this is um, the third hand. So, I three bit him with ace, queen, offsuit. And I made it $100. And he was the pre-flop raiser with some callers behind. He jams for $275. So $175 more. And I was thinking maybe this was just him pushing back. After um, me kind of maybe what, what looked like I was picking on him. So I ended up putting in the call. And I turned a flush draw with the nut, uh, flustro, but I end up turning the ace and he says, you're good. And he had pocket Queens. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird how you can kind of think that someone is picking on you or kind of making a stand or kind of you're picking on them or they're finally making a stand, but sometimes they just kind of have good hands, which is kind of, it's like when that drunk player at the table is playing all sorts of crazy stuff, but it's not impossible for them to have a good hand whenever they put in the three bet. Sometimes they don't have it, but it is possible. So, this was a different session during the week, or a different hand during the week. I was in the big blind straddle with 5-4 offsuit. And I believe someone made it like $20. I believe that's Oh no, he made it 25 and one caller, so I end up completing in the small in the big blind straddle, um, and I get a dream flop, Ace, Four, Five. So I flop bottom two, and then the preflop raiser bets seventy-five, and then one person calls, and I was pretty short stacked through this whole session, and. Well, no, actually, I had just lost a pretty big hand. I wasn't short-stacked. I had just lost a pretty big hand, so uh, I ended up jamming for 350 more. I get a call, and then the other guy, um, the guy who had called behind folds. Let's see. So then the turn is a five, so I have fives full of fours. But the river is the worst card in the deck, though. It's an ace, which then brings the board to ace, ace, five, five, four. So, obviously, any ace beats me. He turns over a very strange hand. He turns over pocket kings. So, um, the guy who ended up squeezing out of the hand, though, obviously had an ace, and he was pretty upset. Uh, So, that was kind of an interesting hand, I thought, but... Alright, I had a pretty interesting hand here. I had, um, because it was a pretty big week for me, so this was kind of a key hand. I had Ace-Queen, and I opened to about 25, and I got re-raised to 85. And then someone else flat called behind the 85. So I completed, and then the flop came King-10-3-Rainbow. And I check, and the guy who 3-bet me leads out for 225. The other guy folds. I actually think this guy could be bluffing here a lot of the time, just 3-betting me light, because I've been opening up a lot of hands. So I call the turn. Sorry, I call the flop bet, and the turn is the is an offsuit 9. I check, and then he checks behind. So now I'm kind of thinking that he's kind of on a pretty weak hand here. So whenever the river is a three, I end up leading out for $425. Thinking that if he had a pretty big hand, he never checks behind here. Um, or sorry, he never checks the turn. So I lead out for, I kind of donk into him for 425 And he actually folds. That was a pretty um. Pretty big ha- Pretty big hand for me in the moment. Oh, let's see. And like I had talked to Clint about last week. Is. I've kind of been experimenting with three betting light. And I've got to say it's been going very well for me. Um. I mean I have a hand where I had. Um, I was in the straddle and I had jack eight of. Uh, diamonds, and someone opened a twenty, and someone called the twenty, and then I three bet to about eighty, and both players end up folding. It's a free forty bucks. I never showed my hand though, and that's something I've been kind of talking to Clint about during the week as well. Is, I guess. When I've been playing um, lately, I haven't been showing any of my bluffs. Because normally, like when Clint and I talk, I normally do show the bluffs because I feel like it gets you lighter calls later on. But if you don't show the bluff, you can just keep bluffing all night long. And it's kind of an interesting concept to where you can... I don't know, it's kind of that give and take to where like, I guess if it's a competent player enough to where that they know that you can't have it all this time, you don't even really need to show the bluff. Just leave it a mystery. But I feel like if the player isn't good enough to kind of put that together, I think you then can show the bluff. I think there's times for both. Which is kind of interesting. I was kind of messing with that this last uh, week. So... But this this is basically the hand that kind of defined my whole last week. Um, let's see. So I had five six of hearts. Or I guess let me give you some backstory before going into this last session of the week. Um, so when I was in Vegas, I played some five five. Sorry, not five five. I played some five ten twenty. And I had gone on a pretty big upswing, right, and you can see on your graph you know you've gone higher than you've ever gone before. I had won um five or six thousand dollars in about two days right and then you know variance kind of happens and then you play uh ten twenty or five ten twenty and then um I ended up losing about so I made maybe ended up making like five hundred bucks or two hundred bucks in Vegas. So I've been trying to battle back up to that original height, that peak, whenever I was playing 5-5 five, five, running good. And I was exactly $1,000 off of hitting my new uh, bankroll high. And I guess it's not something you shoot for. Like, you don't go into every session thinking, oh, I hope I hit a new bankroll high. But I'm definitely aware of it. Definitely a goal I'm trying to hit, right? And I was thinking, man, if I could, you know, put together a pretty big session here, you know, this would be, you know, that would be awesome to finally hit that goal. So, I end up uh, playing this hand, which kind of, you know, kind of defined that. Um, I opened with 5-6 of hearts. I opened for 20, and I got 3-bet to 80. And then a guy to my right flat calls the 80. So I complete. Um, The flop comes king, 10, queen, all heart. So I flop the flush. And then a player leads out. The guy who completed the 3-bet leads out for 200. And I was thinking this is the perfect time to ri ra- and uh I'm very deep in this hand. I'm exactly um uh, one thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars uh, to start the hand. Um, let's see. Oh no, I was, yeah, it's about nineteen hundred behind actually. So So I actually end up raising him to six hundred, which covered him by quite by about two hundred bucks. So he bet two hundred and he had maybe, you know 300 behind and uh, maybe two or 300 behind. So I was just kind of expecting, I was kind of trying to squeeze out the deep sack to my left, the original three better. Um, I end up getting re-raised all in. <sighs> so, so I had already put 600 in and the total bet was 18, um, 1850. So I was like, well, and I, like I always took, like, I'm normally not one person to sit there and tank and tank and tank. Right. But I was thinking, okay, so if he's flopped the ace, I flush, right. I'm drawing completely dead. So it's kind of, kind of leaning toward the fold. But then with the board being King, ten, King, Queen, 10, all hearts, I was trying to think what hands he 3-bets with that doesn't have one of those hands in it other than Ace-Jack-of-Hearts, which would obviously be a Royal and not putting him on a flopped Royal. So I was thinking, well... um, Sorry, so one team put me all in, the original guy who made it 200-fold, so it's heads up. So I was thinking, well, okay, and then... Maybe this is like ace king with the ace of hearts. That wouldn't be the worst for me. So, I was, you know, pondering and pondering and pondering. And I actually probably sat there and tanked for about two minutes, which if you've played live poker, you know, is an absolute eternity, right? So then I'm sitting thinking, I was like, well, I guess if I just get flush over flush, you know, it is what it is. I'm gonna just lose, so I put in the call. Immediately, the turns the five of hearts, and I know I'm I've lost. I'm done, right? So I was like, "Well, I'm already up, standing up, getting ready to leave." The river's a blank. I just tell him, "Yeah, I flopped a flush. Show my hand. I get up. and I'm still up." And then he tells me, you're good. Oh, man. The amount of relief hearing that you're good. After knowing for sure you had to be dead. But then after I had talked to Clint about this hand, I guess we put him on a flopped set somewhere. Right. So he was denying the hearts from me, not the other way around. Right. Because. Pocket kings, pocket queens, pocket tens. Way more likely to be in the three-bending range, especially whenever I block, I mean, you know, the ace-five of hearts with the five of hearts, but I think that's kind of a mute point, but thought it was kind of a very interesting hand. And then what was even more interesting was after all those hands this week, I had finally grinded back up to where a new bankroll high after leaving Vegas. Um, so that was an absolute, uh, not really relief, but just kind of to, to set that goal and hit it so quickly was so nice. Because I was thinking whenever I left um, Vegas playing 5'10'20 at Bellagio that it would take me so long. To hit that uh, that new bankroll high because I had to considerably go down in stakes and then right playing in Houston and you can only really play one three one three six it's kind of hard to find a five five game and I was kind of discouraged thinking that it's going to take me like two months to hit this right and it actually only ended up taking about a month. But, I mean, a lot of that obviously is due to run good. And then Clint and I played a session uh, last week, too, at uh, actually at Paramount. And I had a hand where I flopped. I had pocket three as I opened up. Got one caller. The flop came ace three five. Sorry, ace three eight. I let out. So I made it 20 pre-flop. The other guy called. I let out for 40. No, 30. He re-raised to 80. And then this was kind of a really interesting hand where... I was looking at the board and it was all rainbow. And I was thinking, well... I don't want to raise now because I'm not really guarding against anything. I mean, if he already... If it's set over set, obviously it's not good for me. Holding bottom set, but... If he has a hand like Ace-King or... A two-pair. I was thinking there's a great possibility that I could stack this guy for, you know, because he might just have a handicap fold. So I only end up making the call on the flop. Um, The turn is a blank. It was like a seven. And I check it over to him. And he leads out for about 90, I believe. And then I re-race him, and he snap-jammed all in for like 400. And then I call, and then he had uh, ace-eight for flop top two, and I had bottom set, and it held. That was a gigantic hand for me this week as well. I've been playing a lot of poker this week, actually. Um, Clint was kind of put in a tough spot. uh, (laughs) To tell you how Clint is running, he had, I believe it was king-queen versus queen-jack. And... I don't remember how he did it. He flopped two pair with the king and the queen. The guy turned the jack. And then they ran the river out twice. And the guy actually ended up hitting one of his jacks on the first board. So Clint only got to chop. Man. That's that's running pretty bad right there. Uh. <laughs> um, And I played some PLO hands where it's still so tough for me to kind of not justify PLO, but um, in PLO, whenever you and hold them, if you flop the nuts, oftentimes you're going to win. But man, in PLO, it seems like you flop the nuts just to lose by the river is what it ends up kind of being. And I've kind of looked into some different PLO strategies, talked over PLO strategy with Clint. But, man, that variance is just gigantic. Which kind of makes me think, like, even if the PLO games are better and looser, but the variance is so high, are you better off just playing Hold'em and just grinding out slowly profit versus trying to be in these gigantic, loose PLO games? Even though if you're in the loosest PLO game, you're still going to lose a lot of times. Because it seems so difficult to... Put the money in almost completely dead in PLO. You always seem to have a bunch of outs. Or not a bunch of outs, but some outs. So. Which is why I think like whenever I was talking to Clint about PLO. Because we were saying how many gamblers there are in PLO versus Hold'em. And I was saying to Clint, like, you know, if you're in Hold'em and you want to gamble and you want to play a lot of hands. You can almost put your money in completely dead and have no sweat nothing, just lose quickly. But in PLO, it seems like if you, if you just take any random, you know, halfway decent hand versus someone's flop nuts, you always seem to have a ton of draws, which can make it kind of stressful on the bankroll. Cause it seems like you're just always flipping. If people just keep going all in by before the river. So, I don't know. I think Clint's going to end up playing some more PLO. I know he's playing a session right now after he had dealt with some of his personal things off the felt. So I, you know, we tried to wanted to bring you guys an episode every week. I know it's not the normal episode. We're not even recording in the same spot today, but I just wanted to give everyone kind of an update. Uh, didn't want to miss a week. Uh, so, so putting it out, hopefully next week, Clint will be back. Hopefully we'll have a good story for us for um the session he's currently at. Um and yeah, that was episode twenty nine, I believe, of the Texas Poker Podcast. Uh, it was kind of a short one, only a one man show, so it's kinda of, you know, it's like half half the length because <laughs> only half the people and didn't have uh a full forty minutes of content for you, but Still, hope it was enough to get you through this week. We'll check in with you guys next That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.